Hello, welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCreary. It's been a minute since I've recorded the podcast episode, but I am back, and I've got a lot to talk about, because there has been a lot happening in sports this week. We've, we've had the NBA trade deadline. I'm recording this on Thursday, February 9th, and the NBA trade deadline just passed a few hours ago, so I want to talk about all the crazy trades that went down, because this was one of the most active NBA trade deadlines of all time, or at least that I can remember. I mean, it, it was insane. So I want to talk about all the trades that went down. I also want to talk about LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's uh, all-time scoring record. That was awesome. So I'm going to talk about that and how that impacts LeBron's legacy. And then to end the episode, I want to talk about the Super Bowl, which is happening on Sunday. I'm going to give my thoughts on the game and who I believe is going to win this year's Super Bowl. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's stop wasting time and dive right in and talk about LeBron James breaking the record for the most points scored during the regular season all time. So on Tuesday, the Los Angeles Lakers played the Oklahoma City Thunder, and everyone knew that LeBron James was 36 points away from ba- from breaking the all-time scoring record, and so it was a huge moment. There were a ton of people at the game, a ton of celebrities. Kareem himself was at the game to see LeBron potentially break the record. And, you know, LeBron did that. He scored, I don't remember how many points he scored during the game, um, but at near the end of the third quarter, he hit a fadeaway jumper to, to hit 36 points, which he needed to break the record. Um, and it was kind of crazy. The game stopped. Everyone stopped in the middle of the game. They had this little ceremony. LeBron and Kareem took a picture together. Um, Adam Silver, the, the commissioner of the league, he gave a little speech about it. And, and it was a cool moment. And LeBron was super emotional. Um, I was kind of surprised. I didn't really expect him to get so emotional. But it is a huge record. Uh, so it's completely understandable why he got so emotional. Um, and it was a huge moment for him, you can tell. And it was a great moment. I mean, LeBron James, one of, if not the greatest player the game has ever seen, um, just got a huge record that has stood for many, many decades, and it was amazing, it was cool to watch, I was watching the game, I made sure to stay up for that, it was a really cool moment, and it kind of felt like um, watching Kobe score uh, 60 points um, in his final NBA game, that game had a similar feeling, and so it was really cool to be able to experience that, Um, and it was just an awesome game, Um, it's kind of funny, the Lakers ended up losing, which is kind of sad, I mean, they're having a little bit of a rough season, and with a moment like that, like, everyone's so focused on LeBron's record, and that's cool, I mean, it's huge, it's a huge moment, but it is kind of funny um, that they ended up losing that game, it just kind of shows, it's kind of like a a perfect moment to show how the Lakers season is going, Um, I just thought that was really, really funny um, that the Lakers ended up losing that game, but nevertheless, it was a really cool moment, Um, and this is just another, another piece of LeBron's legacy, um, and this, you know, I, over, like, this week I've been thinking about LeBron's legacy and like where he stands in the all-time rankings. And I'm not going to lie, I don't love all-time rankings um, just because I think a lot of times it leads to people like break, like tearing down people's legacies and kind of tearing down older players. I know a lot of young people like myself, I'm 20 years old, and I, and I know a lot of people my age like 
to tear down the accomplishments of older players and players who played in the 60s and the 70s. They don't give those guys a lot of credit, and I think that's unfair. So I don't love these conversations most of the times. Now, when people are having, you know, in-depth conversations about guys and they're giving and they're respectful about it, I do think those are good. Um, and I love talking about basketball history and the history of the NBA. And so I've been thinking about LeBron's legacy um, recently, you know, where does he rank all time? Um, like, where, where does he rank on, like, the, the Mount Rushmore for the NBA? And, I mean, you know, I've been thinking about this season that he's having as a 38-year-old. I mean, he's playing at an insane level. He's, he's having a great season, especially considering that he's 38 years old. Even if he wasn't 38, this would be a really good season. But the fact that he is 38 years old makes it even more impressive. And I think that LeBron James might be the GOAT right now. Um, for, for the last couple of years, I've been on Team Jordan. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jordan. I think he was an excellent basketball player, accomplished a lot throughout his career. And I think he has a great case to be the greatest basketball player of all time. But I also think that LeBron James is one of the greatest players we've ever seen. And I think he also has an excellent case um, to be the greatest player of all time. And his case keeps getting stronger the, the more that he plays, the longer his career plays out. Um, and I think something that LeBron James has, or an advantage that he has over most players throughout NBA history, is longevity. He came into the league as an 18-year-old straight out of high school and played at a high level forever. I mean, he's been playing at a very high level for around 20 years. And that's really incredible. He's been playing at like an an all-NBA MVP level for nearly two decades. And that's just unprecedented. You, you don't ever see that. LeBron James is legitimately a once-in-a-lifetime uh, type of player. He really is. He's special. We are likely never going to see anyone quite like LeBron. Um, he's just an ultra-talented player. He's a, an elite scorer, an elite passer, like an all-time great passer. At his peak, he was an elite defender. He was a fantastic. He was fantastic on the defensive end. Um, he's a great regular season player, like a goat level regular season player, and a goat level playoff performer. He's also great in the finals. Um, he he's won multiple titles. Um, he's you know a multi time All NBA. Like he has a ton of All NBAs, a ton of All Star appearances. Um, like there's just not much more that LeBron can accomplish. Obviously, he doesn't have a Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, I don't really care all that much about that. He does have some blemishes on his record, like the 2011 NBA Finals, where he honestly just didn't have a very good series. Um, and that's probably uh, uh, the one blemish on his record. I know he has a losing record in the Finals, but... I don't really care about that. I understand the context behind that. You know, he had to play the Warriors. Uh, there are there were multiple times in the 2010s where he was at a severe disadvantage when it comes um, to the, to the team he was playing with and the team he was playing against in the finals. When he and more specifically, like when he was playing against the Warriors in 2017 and 2018. He really didn't have a chance to win the finals those two years. The Warriors were simply 
like a whole lot better than the Cavs were those years. And I don't think it would have been realistic to expect LeBron James and the Cavs to win those two years. Um, but yeah, Le- Le- LeBron James is a special player, phenomenal. Um, I don't think this scoring record record makes him the GOAT. Uh, if you thought he was the GOAT beforehand, um, you're still going to think he's the GOAT now. And even like, if you didn't think he was the GOAT before, you're probably not going to think he's the GOAT now. So I don't think that really changes anything. Uh, but I do think this is a, g- a good time for us to like talk about LeBron's legacy and to give him the respect he deserves, um, because he deserves it. Like he's he's had an incredible career. Uh, I, I've been um, blessed to be able to watch him for most of his career. Uh, I was able to watch him during his prime, and I was never a LeBron James fan. Now I wasn't. I didn't hate LeBron James. I wasn't a LeBron James hater, but I just wasn't a a fan of him. Um, I just I had respect for him, but I wasn't like a diehard. LeBron fan. And I think a big reason why is because I've always been a big fan of Stephen Curry. Um, You know, Stephen Curry has had to play LeBron James in the finals a lot, and I was always rooting for Stephen Curry just because I'm a huge fan of his. Um, But, you know, looking, I'm a big stats guy, so I'm big into numbers, and the more I look at the numbers and the more I watch LeBron James play at the end of his career, and looking back on his time with the Miami Heat and the Cleveland Cavaliers, like, I'm just like, yeah, this guy might be the GOAT. He might be the greatest player to ever play the sport. And I don't think that's ridiculous. I don't think it's a hot take whatsoever. I know a lot of people agree with that. And I know a lot of people disagree with that. And, you know, I'm not saying that LeBron James is the GOAT. I'm not making um, that statement. I'm just saying that he might, he just might be. I would have to take a closer look at everything. Uh, I, I, I got to take a look, a look at everyone's case. Uh, before I make that declaration, but I do, I do feel comfortable saying, you know, LeBron James just might be the goat. He just might be the best, the best basketball player of all time. Um, and, you know, in a few years, uh, he's he's gonna retire, and we're never gonna see him play again. Um, and I will feel very blessed knowing I get to watch potentially the goat play uh, throughout uh, during my lifetime. So yeah, shout out to LeBron. He, he's a, f- a fantastic player, and I feel honored to be able to have watched his career play out. All right, now let's move on to the NBA trade deadline. Let me get a little drink a drink first because my throat's drying up a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about the trade deadline. Um, this was, I, I said this at the beginning of this podcast. This was one of the craziest trade deadlines of all time. Um, there were so many deals. There were so many huge deals um, there's a few that I want to get into early on. Um, but yeah, this was a wild trade deadline. I think there were only a few teams who didn't make any trades at all. And that was the Chicago Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and maybe the Miami Heat. Um, I know for sure that the Cavs and the Bulls didn't make any trades. And I think the Heat didn't either, but I could be wrong about the Heat. Um, so there, there a lot of teams were active. Um, and the first trade I want to talk about is the first major trade that went down. And that was the Brooklyn Nets trading Kyrie Irving. So about a week ago, 
Kyrie Irving requested a trade, um, and, and he wanted the trade to go down before the deadline. And this was crazy. This was out of the blue. I did not expect this whatsoever. Um, I remember getting the notification and being shocked. Like, wow. I did not expect Kyrie Irving to request a trade because the Brooklyn Nets were playing really, really well. Um, they were on fire. They were at the top of the Eastern Conference. This was like one of the best years they've had in, in recent memory. Um, and, like, they were playing well without Kevin Durant in the lineup, um, because he, he was, he was dealing with injury, um, and they were just having a fantastic year, and all of a sudden, Kyrie's requesting a trade. Now, I'm not surprised that Kyrie, of all people, is requesting a trade. That's not surprising. It's just the timing of it. The timing of it was, was really weird and out of the blue, uh, but the Nets, Fulfilled his request, ended up trading him to the Dallas Mavericks, and here are the details of that trade. So the Nets received um, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick, a 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick, and the Mavericks received Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. This was a huge trade for the Mavericks. They get another or a second all-star level guard. And now they have two really strong creators in Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. And now they have a roster that kind of resembles what the Cavs had in 2017 um, or 2016-2017 with LeBron and Kyrie and a bunch of solid role players. I think their roster is quite similar um, to that. Um, so I think this trade makes the Mavs really, really good. I think this makes them really dangerous as a playoff team. I think this makes them a, a serious contender. Um, and part of that is because I just, I am really high on Luka Doncic. I think Luka is like the modern day LeBron James, uh, or like, I guess the new age LeBron, the second coming of LeBron James in a way. Like, I think he's on that kind of career path. Um, he's just a monster. Like, it's ridiculous how good he is at, uh, for a 23-year-old. He's a stud. I mean, he's playing at a very high level. And I think he's playing at a level where now that he has Kyrie Irving, um, that team can go really deep in the playoffs. I mean, just last year, the Mavs went, made it to the Western Conference Finals. And now they've added... A probably a top 20 player in Kyrie Irving, someone who can kind of take some of the ball handling duties away from Luka Doncic, can kind of take on some of that offensive load that Luka has to carry, um, and he can do it at a very high level. I think that pairing is going to be awesome. We haven't seen them play together yet. Uh, we did see Kyrie Irving's debut last night, um, and he played really well. The Mavericks ended up beating the Clippers. And I think this is a, a great trade for them. They did have to give up a future first-round pick in 2027. But I think um, that Luka is so good that by 2027, if he's still with the team, and I expect him to be, I think that pick isn't going to be worth much. Because by that time, I'm expecting the Mavericks to be like contenders every single year. Like I expect them to be contending for the title year in and year out by that time. Um, that's how good I think Luka is. Um, so I think this is an excellent trade for the Mavericks. It is kind of weird that um, during the offseason, they let Jalen Brunson go, who was also a very good creator. Um, and now they're having to trade some key role players to get Kyrie. Um, that That is weird. But Kyrie Irving is a, a, a 
a monster. Like, he is a stud, especially on the offensive end. He's one of the better offensive players in the NBA. Um, he's a very strong scorer, a solid passer. Um, he's a really good ball handler, just a really good shot creator off the dribble. Um, I think he's going to be an awesome addition to this team. And I think he, I think his addition to the team takes the Mavericks from a team that is good and can make a deep play and can make a run in the playoffs because of Luka to a team that is really, really, really good and should make a deep, a deep playoff run and can potentially make a run for, for the title. Um, that's how good I think the pairing of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic can be. Now for the Nets, um, this is a very interesting uh, deal for them. Um, they got Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a first-round pick, and two second-round picks. Um, this was a very win-now trade compared to the other offers they received. I know they were, they were also uh, offered uh, Russell Westbrook and I think two first-round picks. Uh, from the Lakers, and then they were offered, what was the other offer, oh gosh, oh my goodness, yeah, they were offered, um, they were, they were given an offer from the Suns, which was Chris Paul, oh, what was it, was it Chris Paul, uh, Cam Johnson, and a pick, was that it, it may not have been that, it may have been like Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a pick, um, I know it was Chris Paul, another player, and a first round pick, um, so I thought they, they, they took the worst deal. I thought, um, I thought that if the Nets were going to make this trade, that they were going to be done as contenders and that they may end up trading Kevin Durant. Now we know that they did end up trading Durant, but at the time we didn't know that. So at the time I was thinking, okay, they're not going to be contenders anymore. They may decide to tear it all down. And if they were going to do that, if they had that idea in mind, they should have taken a deal that would have given them the most draft capital, like the offer that the Lakers were giving them, where they, where the Lakers were willing to give them first-round picks in 2027 and 2029. And I think those picks are going to be extremely valuable because by that point, I think LeBron is no longer going to be with the Lakers. I think Anthony Davis might no longer be in the Lakers. And if those two players are not there, the Lakers are probably going to struggle, and those picks could be really, really good. Um, and I think the Suns' offer was really good too, especially if the Nets wanted to continue to be competitive right now, because you replace Kyrie with Chris Paul, who is still playing really well. Chris Paul isn't playing like he was when he was getting MVP buzz um, a few years ago. But he's still playing really well. Um, you also get a pick with that trade package. Um, so I like that deal as well. I just thought that they they chose the worst uh, the worst trade offer they were given for Kyrie. So I didn't love this trade for the Nets. Um, it did give them solid pieces with Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, and those guys are good players. Um, but I think they could have gotten more. Um, and I think they were they were offered a better win now package, and I thought they were given a, another package which would have given them better draft capital um, down the road. So I didn't love this trade for the Nets, but I really really like this trade for the Mavericks. All right, now let's talk about another trade that the Nets made, and that was a move to trade Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. 
This was a huge trade um, that went down early this morning around 1 a.m. I went to bed last night around midnight. I woke up and I, I saw the notification that Kevin Durant had been traded. Um, this was a bombshell. This is a huge trade. Um, one of the biggest trades we've seen in recent memory. Um, this is a huge deal. Kevin Durant being traded um, in a year where he is a serious MVP candidate is crazy. He's having one of the better years of his career. Um like he is having one of the best mid-range shooting seasons of all time. His scoring has been unbelievably good this year. Um, and when healthy, he has been playing at a strong MVP level. Um, and now the Nets are moving on from him. They're going into a full rebuild. Um, so here are the details of the trade. So the Suns receive Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. And the Nets receive Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first-round picks, and a 2028 pick swap. Wow, that is a huge haul for Kevin Durant. The Nets get two really good young players in Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson. Michael Bridges is kind of a young star in the making. I think Bridges is a stud. Um, Cam Johnson is more of a role player, but he's a stud, and he hasn't uh, played much this year because he's been dealing with an injury but when he has played he's played at a very high level he's been awesome this year so I like that pickup Jay Crowder is a nice veteran wing who can shoot I like that and then I love the draft capital four first round picks is a haul of draft capital for the Nets and then they get that 2028 pick swap I love this for the Nets I think it's awesome a great deal for them, and I love this for the Suns, because the Suns didn't have to part ways with the Andre Ayton, um, and so now they get a really strong core of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton, and at full strength, when, when everyone is healthy on that team, the Suns have a really good roster, one of the best rosters in the NBA, especially when you're looking at the top of that roster, um, and they should be a really strong contender this year. Um, I do worry about their depth. They don't have a great bench right now after this trade. So I do worry about their depth. Um, and I worry about, um, like their backup and, um, uh, rim protection. Um, so there are some concerns I have about their roster that keep me from being like fully confident that this team is coming out of the West this year, but still, this is a really good team. And after this trade, the Suns are legitimate contenders. I love this trade. Shout out to James Jones for making this deal. This was an awesome, awesome trade for them. Alright, now let's talk about um, some other big trades. Like the Lakers. The Lakers have had an excellent trade deadline. Um, they ended up trading Russell Westbrook um, last night. They traded Russ in a three-team deal where they received D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz were also involved in this deal. The Timberwolves received Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a 2024 second-round pick, or sorry, a 2024 second-round pick swap, a 2025 second-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick. And the Utah Jazz received Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and a 2027 
first-round pick from the Los Angeles Lakers. I like I like this trade for the Jazz. It makes them worse than they can lose now, um, which is good because they don't really need to be winning this year. They need the best possible draft pick they can get, um, and this gives them a valuable pick in 2027. I like that. They're probably going to buy out Russell Westbrook. Um, so I like that deal for the for the Jazz. I love this trade for the Lakers. I mean, it gives them a really nice point guard in D'Angelo Russell, who's a good passer, a good shooter. Um, is actually like a pretty underrated defender or an underrated team defender. Um, it also gives them a really good shooting wing in Malik Beasley. And then it gives them a versatile defender in Jared Vanderbilt. This was an excellent trade for the Los Angeles Lakers, and I'm really surprised that Rob Palenka was able to pull this off. That is an amazing haul for the Lakers. I know those guys are more more role players than, than stars, but the Lakers need that, and they need guys who can space the floor, who are better fits around LeBron James and Anthony Davis than Russell Westbrook was. Um, so I really like this trade a lot for the Lakers. Now for the Timberwolves, I hate this trade. I mean, I think it just makes them worse. Um, I don't really like this trade whatsoever for them. Um, Mike Conley is is still a quality player. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is having a solid year. But I really like D'Angelo Russell. Um, and I feel like this trade just makes them worse for no good reason, really. Um, I don't really see the upside um, for, for Minnesota here. So I don't like this trade for them, but I do really like this trade for the Lakers and, um, and the Jazz. And I think they did really, really, really well with this trade. All right, now let's talk about some other big trades that went down today. Uh, the Clippers made a couple big deals. They got Eric Gordon, um, Mason Plumley and Bones Highland. That Bones Highland trade the Clippers made was insane. They traded, uh, just two second round picks for him which was awesome. Um, I, so I like those additions. They got some shooting. And Eric Gordon and Bones Highland. Highland is also a solid scorer. Um, and then Mason Plumley is a very underrated player. He's a really good passer for a big man, so I think he's going to be a nice backup big for them. Assuming he's backing, he's the, um, coming off the bench for them, I really like that. Um, so I really like the moves that the Clippers made at the deadline. Um... I like everything the Lakers did uh, from getting the, the, the three guys you just talked about in Russell, Vanderbilt, and Beasley. They also got Rui Achimura a few weeks ago. I really like that. Um, they did trade Thomas Bryant today. Um, apparently, Thomas Bryant was not happy with his playing time, so they ended up trading him. But they traded Patrick Beverly to the Magic for Mo Bamba, uh, giving them a really solid backup five. I really like that move. I'm a big fan of Mo Bamba. I think he's been really solid this year, um, so I like that pickup. Um, let's see, were there any other teams that made big deals uh, the Raptors weren't sellers at the deadline. There's been a lot of talk about them potentially blowing up their roster, maybe trading OG and Anobi, and they decided not to do that. Instead, they traded for Jakob Pertl, a big man from the San Antonio Spurs. I really, really like that move for them. Pertl was super underrated. He had an excellent season last year. Um, so he, he's a nice player, solid rim protector, a very um, underrated, impactful player. So I like the fact that the Timberwolves didn't blow, or sorry, that the Raptors didn't blow up their roster and instead decided to make a really sneaky upgrade getting Pirtle. Um, Let's see, were there any other big moves I can think of? I'm looking through, let's look at Woj's Twitter 
real quick. Um, and I'll think of some other big trades. Um, I'm a Hawks fan, so I'll talk about the trade the Hawks made. Um, the Hawks were involved in a three-team trade um, involving the Warriors, the Pistons, and then, of course, the Hawks. The Warriors got five second-round picks. The Hawks got Sidney Bay, and the Pistons got um, James Wiseman. Um, a very weird trade. Um, I like, And the Warriors were able to save a lot of money trading James Wiseman. They got a lot of draft capital, and the Hawks were able to get... Um, a wing who can shoot. Now, Sidney Bay is having a bit of a down here this year, uh, but he's a talented young player. He's got two more year, years left on his contract. Um, what we traded to get him was kind of ridiculous. Like, we did overpay to get him, uh, but I do like uh, Bay's skill set, um, and I think he'll fit really well uh, with our roster. So I like it, uh, but I will admit it was an overpay. But I do like that trade for the Warriors. I will say the fact that they traded James Wiseman, who they picked with the number two overall pick a few years ago, the fact that they're just now, that they're trading him for like five second round picks a few years later is kind of sad. But, you know, uh, that's that. Uh, let's see, any other big trades? The Warriors also traded for Gary Payton II, which is funny because they let him go in the offseason and now they're trading five second round picks to get him back. That was pretty funny. Let's see, anything else? Um, let's see. I know that Bulls fans were really pissed that the team didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. I'm sorry, the Bulls are having a really rough year, and the fact that they weren't active at the deadline, selling their players, trading Zach Levine, trying to move on from DeMar DeRozan, kind of sucks, um... But, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, Bulls fans. I'm sorry. Your team is in a really rough spot, and your front office isn't making smart decisions. I'm sorry. Let's see. Um, did anybody anybody else making make any big moves? I'm trying to think of some, like, big trades that went down. Uh, the Bucks ended up trading for Jay Crowder after the Nets got him. They traded five second-round picks for Jay Crowder. That's a nice addition. A little bit of an overpay, uh, but the the Bucks are trying to win a title. I think that helps them. That gives them more depth at the wing position. Um, so I like that a lot for them. I think he'll be a great fit uh, in Milwaukee. I love that. Uh, the Timber the Trailblazers. I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about them a little bit. They made some really weird moves, um, trading Josh Hart and Gary Payton II, and in return getting Matisse Thibel and um um oh my gosh I'm forgetting his name Cam Reddish from the Knicks. Uh, really weird trades. Uh, I feel like they got worse at the trade deadline. Um, just really, really weird decisions being made by that front office. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. Um, and if I were Damian Lillard, I would probably be seeking a trade right now. because uh, I'm not quite sure what, um, what the Trailblazers are doing. Um, another trade I wanted to mention was the Nuggets getting Thomas Bryant. Earlier, I mentioned that the Lakers traded Thomas Bryant. They traded Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets, and the Nuggets needed a backup five really badly. They get one in Thomas Bryant. I think Bryant will play a, a pivotal role in their playoff run this year, so I really like that. And they didn't have to get have to give up much. They gave up Devon Reed and three second-round picks. That's a nice trade for the Nuggets. I like that a lot. Um... I'm looking to see if there were any more trades that I haven't really talked about. Um, I don't think so. I think 
Those are all of the mix raids that went down. I'm pr I'm probably missing something, um, and I'm just an idiot and I can't see it. Um, let's see, anything else? I don't think so. I don't think there were any any other big moves. At least none that I can think of. If I see anything, uh, I'll mention it at the end of the podcast. But yeah, this was a crazy trade trade deadline. Um, some crazy moves from the Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns uh, took a big swing getting Kevin Durant. Now they're championship contenders. The Mavs made a, made a big swing as well, getting Kyrie Irving to improve their chances of winning a title this year. The Nuggets improved their rotation, getting Thomas Bryant. I am confused at their at them trading Bones Highland for just two second round picks. A really weird move. Uh, but I do like them getting Thomas Bryant. I loved what the Lakers did. I think the Lakers made some excellent moves. Um, I'm not quite sure if, if everything they did made them championship contenders. Uh, but I think the moves they did make um, are going to make them a playoff team. Um, and I would be kind of surprised if that roster doesn't make it to the to at least the play-in. They should. That team is way too talented to not at least make the play-in this year. And if they make it into the play-in, uh, I think the Lakers could go on a little bit of a run in the playoffs. Um, so shout out to them. Shout out to Rob Palenka. He did a lot of great things at the trade deadline. I loved what he did. Also got to give a huge shout out to the Clippers. They made some nice moves. I like what they did. I like... Uh, when the Raptors did not selling instead instead of being buyers getting Yaka Pertle, I liked that. Um, oh, also wanted to talk about the Boston Celtics. They made a trade getting Mike Muscala for next to nothing, um, and that was just a nice a nice trade to get more depth at the big uh, at the center position. I really really liked that for them. I thought that move was super underrated. And really, really good. I like that. Um, so them, along with the Milwaukee Bucks, both of those teams, they great. They did really well to make these underrated moves to improve their chances um, of winning in the playoffs. Uh, so shout out to them. But yeah, um, that's all I really have to say about the trade deadline. It was a crazy deadline. Um, it was a lot of fun. As a Hawks fan, I'm upset we didn't trade John Collins. Um, but I guess Collins is never gonna never gonna get traded. He's been on the trade on the trade block for like three years now, and it's still not being traded. Um, it's really really funny. It's become like a meme at this point. Uh, but we'll see what happens with him. But yeah, uh, lo loved the trade deadline this year. It was a whole lot of fun. But yeah, all right, now let's close out the podcast by talking about the Super Bowl. This year we got Chiefs versus the Eagles. Um, this was a, this is a great matchup. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really like it. I want to start off by talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, who are probably the best team in the NFL for this season. Uh, they got a great offense. Jalen Hurts played at an MVP level this year. He was awesome. Um, he was really good as a passer and a runner this year. I mean, and he benefited a lot from the moves that the Eagles made in the offseason, bringing in A.J. Brown. Um, and so I think the addition of A.J. Brown made that offense elite this year. Um, so A.J. Brown's been playing at a high level this year. He's been arguably a top five receiver in football this season. He's been awesome. Devontae Smith has been really good as well as, as their number two receiver. He has looked like a star at times. 
Um, and then the Eagles' offensive line has been kicking butt. This Their offensive line is insane. It's one of the best, if not the best unit in the NFL. They've been kicking butt all year long. They've been awesome. They played a pivotal part in the Eagles' offense being as good as it's been. Um, so I think <clears throat> the Eagles... Uh, the Eagles have so much talent offensively. Their run game is really, really good. Um, partially because of Jalen Hurts. Partially because their offensive line is so dominant. And then defensively, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Their front seven is awesome. Hassan Reddick is really, really special. He's been playing really well the last couple of years. He played so, so well against the 49ers last week. And I expect him to play well again in the Super Bowl. The Eagles have a great front seven. They also have a solid secondary in Darius Slay. Um, and, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting forgetting the guy's name. Used to play for the Giants, right? All right, we got to look this up. I am having a brain fart. We're going to look this up. Uh, Eagles death chart. Um, what's this dude's name? He had, like, very solid numbers this year. Cornerback. Oh, I can't believe I forgot his name. Darius Slay, and then, let's see, James Bradbury. Uh, so they got some solid um, corners, and James Bradbury, Darius Slay. Um, um, they got good linebackers, good edge rushers, a great defensive line with Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and Josh Sweat. Um, and the Eagles just have a super solid roster all around. Their defense is great. Um, their offensive line is awesome. Their run game is elite. Jalen Hurts is awesome. Um, the one thing that worries me about the Eagles in this game is the fact that they didn't look very good against the 49ers. I know they won by 24 points, but that was one of the worst or one of the least impressive 20-point wins I've ever seen in my life. They were not very good. They averaged under four yards per play in that game. They were not very impressive offensively, and that worries me because when you're playing a, a team like the Chiefs who have a quarterback like Mahomes, who is, like, honestly, like, probably the best quarterback the game has ever seen, when, you, when you're playing a team like that, you can't struggle offensively. You're going to have to match the Chiefs and match what the Chiefs are doing offensively. Um, and, and that So that worries me a little bit, but... The Eagles are so good offensively and defensively um, that I think they'll be fine in this game. And that leads to me, um, that leads to the Chiefs. Let's break down their roster. The Chiefs honestly have like the worst roster that they've had in a while. Um, I think they got a lot worse over the offseason. Um, on paper, on paper, I will say that, on paper. Um, I will clarify that. But they've been playing really well this year, especially offensively. Their offense has not taken a step back despite the fact that they traded Tyreek Kill in the offseason, which is freaking ridiculous. The fact that they traded one of, if not the best receiver in football and didn't get worse is wild. Um, that's crazy. That just shows how good Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, Mahomes has been playing at a super high level in the playoffs. He's going to walk away with the MVP this year. He's been awesome. Um, but on paper, this offense doesn't look great, but they've been performing at a very high level. They've changed their play style a bit. Um, they're not taking as many deep shots. Uh, they're playing more conservatively. 
Um, but their their efficiency has stayed at where it's been. They're playing very efficient football. Mahomes has been ultra efficient this year. Um, they're throwing more short and medium passes and, and rather than taking a lot of deep shots. They've been more conservative um, because they understand that they don't have a guy like Tyrant Kill who can consistently take the top off of the defense. Um, but they, they've still found a way to be uh, explosive and efficient offensively. Um, and I, I trust that Mahomes is going to be playing at a very high level in the Super Bowl, no matter how good the Eagles' defense is. I trust Patrick Mahomes um, a lot. Now, the Chiefs' defense isn't quite as good. They do have some solid pieces on defense, like Chris Jones. Chris Jones is an absolute monster of a defensive tackle. He's been playing at a very high level this year. He's been great. He's a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year, and I expect him to play well um, in the Super Bowl. They've also gotten some nice production from rookies like um, Trent McDuffie, who's been playing really, really well this year. Um, and they've got they've, they've got some 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 nice pieces defensively. Legarius Sneed, I don't think is going to be um, active in this game, which is a huge loss. Um, but they got guys like Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, um, other guys. I expect to step it up in the Super Bowl. Um, so let, let's make a pick. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Um, I think on paper, the Eagles have the better roster. Um, I think they're better defensively. I think offensively, they can keep up with the Chiefs. Um, they got a really great, a really great quarterback in their own right in Jalen Hurts. I think they're going to have to rely on their run game, um, to try to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Um, God, the Eagles are so good, but Patrick Mahomes is, is just an alien, um, and he's playing at a ridiculously high level right now. It's hard not to pick Patrick Mahomes. Um, on paper, the Eagles have the better roster, but... I don't quite have enough faith in Jalen Hurts and their offense to not pick Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I'm going to roll with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have a better coaching staff. They have a the better quarterback. I think um, the, Chief, the Chiefs are just playing at such a high level offensively um, that I trust them to get it done in the Super Bowl. Um, this can, like, I think the Eagles can easily win this game, and they are probably the smarter pick. I'm going to just admit that, but I'm rolling with Patrick Mahomes. I trust him a lot. I trust Andy Reid. I trust that coaching staff. This could end up being um, kind of like the Bucks chiefs Super Bowl from a few, from a few years ago. Um, it could end up being that, that kind of game, uh, but I don't think the Eagles are quite as good as that Bucks team was offensively. Um, and I think the Chiefs are just playing at a ridiculous level offensively. So I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I'm rolling with Patrick Mahomes. I think they're going to get it done, and I think Mahomes is going to win his second Super Bowl. That's my pick. Let's go. Um, that's pretty much all I have for today's episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Ryan McCrary. That's the R-Y-A-N. M-C-C-R-A-R-Y. You can check out more content from me at my website. Um, that's thewiresports.com. And then you can check me out on YouTube um, and TikTok 
And you can listen to this uh, podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Um, I would really appreciate appreciate that. Um, but yeah, hope y'all enjoyed, and I will see y'all next time. Peace.